Hi, my name is Sean Taylor. This is my friend Chris Ford, aka the Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter and other places, I assume. Those are the two places I know him as the Objective Geek. And today we have a very special episode for you because it is the season two premiere. We are on to book two, Earth. We're going to cover the first two episodes, which are actually episodes 21 and 22. And actually we have kind of a weirdly large amount of other things to cover. But before I jump into those things, Chris, how you doing? Doing great. Uh, yeah, there's not that much going on. Everything is uh, everything for Comic Con is done. Don't have to worry about that anymore. It got a lot of feedback on uh, on how to wear the head head pieces um, because they're they're just different ways. So I tweeted that out. Got a lot of good responses from that, so that's good. Um, what you expected and, response wise? Or? Yeah, yeah. I just I just you know tweeted out like, oh, here's four looks. Which one is the best? Um, I think uh, I think the one. There was one with the hat. I need to wear the hat or the hat and the mask. It was probably in the glasses. Is probably what I'll end up doing for that. Uh, but other than that, everything is uh, going fine. I never nice. asked this question, Sean. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Everything's it's the opposite. Everything's crazy. Uh, we're gonna move. Um, my costume for Comic Con is not exciting. That's the least crazy part of my life. Uh, but it's ready. I I've been looking, and I think I'm actually. I want to throw people off. I want to be James Potter. And so just, I won't draw the thing on my head, but everything else will be the same. And I just think I look more like James. And then when people are like, it's Harry Potter, I'll be like, oh, you're such an idiot just to be that guy. No, I'm not actually going to do that. But that thought has crossed my mind that I look more like a James than a Harry. Uh, but we are moving. I'm excited. I've got to see the space that'll be my game room. And it's pretty exciting. Uh, but just, you know, a lot going on, but good stuff. It's all very exciting and um yeah that's really all i'm doing well thank you thank you for asking you don't have to ask that i like asking you <laughs> because that's your opportunity to like talk about youtube videos and stuff so i'm asking you how you are but i'm just using you uh but i guess it's also for you so it's really not that big a deal hey look at that your latest videos chris what what are your latest videos you've been working on oh gosh i have a bunch of latest videos my most recent one is a hot take apparently uh, there's a video that I have about a theory of twin avatars and how it's actually possible. And it's not a dumb idea that even I will admit I thought was dumb at first. But I explain fairly thoroughly how it's possible. So uh, check that out and comment and how much I'm wrong or right, you know. I also uh, thought it was a, a dumb idea, other... but then we just spent like 10 minutes talking about it while we were supposed to be <laughs> testing microphones. So I guess there's some validity to it. <laughs> Might be a good video topic someday. It'd be a good, easy, uh, easy discussion someday. Yeah, I am all for. I think I did have a video idea of uh, of us just talking. You just completely disagreeing and trying to dismantle all of my theory videos. It's <laughs> oh. like the spinoff <laughs> series to your videos, where it's the less exciting ones where we just we just yeah. talk at each other and then and uh, get mad at theories. <laughs> I mean, I'm open I do to have, the idea. Uh, I'm just here to help you build more content. That's all. Okay, yeah. I have a, a couple other Dragon Prince videos out there. One is how Ezrin can speak to animals in the Dragon Prince. Uh, and that one's fairly fine. I have one of my best videos out, which is um, what I think the real meaning of dark magic is and the possibility of light magic. So that's a really relatively popular video out there. Thanks for everyone who has watched that and commented on it. I got a lot of great comments, and even if they disagree with me, I always love those no matter what. 
As long as they're and as I have, long as they're nice and they're disc, you don't even have to be polite and like fluff it up. You can just be like, "I think you're wrong." But as long as it's like that level of blood, it could be no okay. higher. Yeah, it's like that's okay. I can deal with that. Yeah. Um, and then I have about a Captain Marvel review. You know, a movie that I thought was uh, so-so. We got a seven point one out of ten for me. I've heard so many differing opinions. I've got like half of my friends. Uh, nobody hates it. But I've got like half my friends went to it and they said, yeah. this is amazing. And then the other half are just like, nah, thanks, Marvel. And so it's not not divisive in a love-hate way, but divisive in like, I think a lot of people are just going to forget about it and move on. But other people really loved it. So, yeah, hard to say. I'm not that interested. Mm. I didn't see anything that caught my eye too much. But it's funny you mention that because I do have a reference to another Marvel video uh, in my news set here. Uh, also, I wanted to note that I think I think it was... I think it was in YouTube. I might be... It was either YouTube or iTunes. It was one of those two. And I searched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I want to say that one of our videos, and it might have even been our, our top five videos from season one, was like the fifth or sixth one down. I think it was iTunes, and it was that specific episode of the podcast. It was like the fifth or sixth one down. I thought that was pretty cool. Not that that means anything. I'm sure it just has to do with kind of the recency, uh, but it was still very exciting. So go watch Chris's videos. Um, I put Nerdstalgia Game Night on here because I had a, a game night um, in between now and the last time we did it. It was really fun. It was just like me and the other same three people that came last time. Uh, but it was really exciting because one of the guys that came had some really, not rare stuff, but just slightly more expensive stuff that I would never buy. So I got to play a lot of neat stuff. And that was very exciting. Uh, this is where I have another piece of movie news because I'm... I'm a little angry. I don't get too mad at Marvel movies. I don't care about them all that much. I just apathetic. I'm very, very curious. But this has me angry. I don't want an X-Men crossover. Don't take X-Men from me. It's the only Marvel movies. <laughs> this it's the only set of Marvel movies that I will go out of my way to watch is X-Men, Deadpool, and I just I want them to remain in their own universe cuz in my mind that's I, I don't know how to say it. This is going to sound so stupid. In my mind, that's a world that feels closer to real, and it's just very interesting to me. But when you take it and you bring in the the larger Marvel universe, and it just, I don't know, I hate it. And I just want to know your thoughts. I wanted to see if you felt the same way or if I'm way off here. No, I don't think you're way off at all. I completely agree for somewhat different reasons, but I do agree with your reasons. Um, I always felt like X-Men was better outside of the rest of the Marvel universe. Like, X-Men's the main theme and the story of it is acceptance uh, for these people who are different because they have powers, because they're mutants, um, where do they fit in with society? And then you have, you know, the Avengers, like they have powers. What's the difference between them and the X-Men, but they're all being glorified and everything. So to me, that just completely contradicts the theme of the X-Men. And, just... and also we're going to get less X-Men movies because Disney only you know releases two or three marvel movies a year so that's less content and also it's just less competition like disney is come becoming freaking huge like this year alone and the thing is i can't complain too much because i'm excited for a lot of sure, movies sure. it's not um, necessarily <laughs> a bad thing but yeah i've complained about it before where i kind of have a legitimate fear that disney will will sort of take over the entertainment industry <laughs> Um, and like for for me, it's actually sort of a deep rooted fear that they're gonna sort of rule the entertainment world. But for that, 
if you're interested in a lot of their stuff, it's not a bad thing because they produce lots of great content all the time. They own it all. They, I don't know. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I think I think competition is good. Competition forces you to be better. And Disney right now, like Marvel, can easily end Disney can easily release a mediocre movie, like Captain Marvel, for instance, and it can make a billion dollars. Like they'll release if Dumbo is a terrible movie. It'll probably make a billion dollars. This year alone, they'll probably have seven movies that makes a billion dollars. That is crazy, and it's good for for them business wise, as you know, business background. They've done freaking everything right, um, but I don't want to be a you know too of a <laughs> sour sour whatever. Um, I'm sure it won't be that bad but i'm not i'm not looking forward to it yeah i tend to get a little paranoid but um yeah i i I didn't even think about it in the themes way it just it's not that either one of them is extremely realistic uh but there's just something about x-men that always felt i've complained before i don't really like the 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 grander superhero universe i kind of like my superheroes close to home but batman that's why batman is probably my my easy favorite uh x-men it just it's something about it just feels a little closer to home, so it almost feels like it'll be be tainted to have a crossover. I would rather the X Men as we know them right now. Um, Logan, I didn't like Logan quite as much as other people, uh, but it's still a very good movie, and it seems like a good way to end. I wouldn't mind seeing it just kind of cut off. Like if you're gonna cross over X Men, let's let's start a new. I don't know. I hate to I hate to taint the X Men that I know and love from 2000 to what 2017 i guess is that when logan came out i don't 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 ruin that x-men for me i guess but what i'm sure it'll be fine i just probably won't watch it. i'll just be i will be a sourpuss i'm sure though i won't watch it i'm sure they'll they'll recast i'm sure they'll recast everything and be a completely new universe be sort of a separate universe of x-men that would be more acceptable to me but yeah i'm 100 percent confident they'll do that um and then the last uh, last piece of news, very exciting. We have two new friends of the show, uh, two brand new friends. Ooh. First friend, I'll let you introduce the first friend of the show. Uh, oh yeah, you know Janet Varney. You know me and her, we go way back to you know International Women's Day, twenty nineteen. Besties, basically <laughs> best friends. Yeah, we're yeah basically besties. But if you don't know, Janet Varney is the voice of Cora, and on the. Uh, International Women's Day, as many nerds tend to do, they'll, you know, tweet out some of their favorite female characters. So I did saying that Cora is one of the strongest female characters because she is strong, vulnerable, kind, relentless, a little brash, brave, and of course relatable. And I personally thank Jen Varney for giving her a voice and she replied back, I'm honored. And I was I completely geeked out in that moment, which is weird. Like she's probably around my age <laughs> and and uh, but still, it's was, it was really nice. And then I commented on her comment that, you know, my oh my daughter loves Cora every day. She asked if we can watch it, and then she didn't like that tweet. But she didn't comment anymore, which that's fine. This is <laughs> she didn't great. not like it. Hey, I yes, uh, yeah. got, I think her response is perfect too because, so in my mind, <laughs> as as great as it is that she gives it the voice and I, she does an amazing job. I still tend to, to, to credit the creators, even with actors. I mean, actors make things come to life, but I always tend to give yeah. the most credit to the to the core idea. So in my mind, it would have been weird if she's just like, you're welcome. <laughs> just, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I'm honored is a much better <laughs> response. 
uh, all things considered. So yeah, Janet Varney, great voice. She really does make Cora uh, feel very real and relatable and brings her to life better than anyone I can think of. But I also don't know a lot of voice actors. But thank you, Janet Varney, for being our new show friend. And then our second friend of the show is... Actually, I've always just wanted to answer like answer fan questions on 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 our podcast at least one just to see how it felt and i thought well that's kind of i was literally asking i asked one of our our fan groups not our fan groups <laughs> sorry <laughs> i asked an avatar i asked a fan group that consisted of uh your wife and my 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 mom and my wife um who am i kidding none of those people watch avatar no i asked a fan group yeah. i was like hey i'd love to answer a question on the show uh, somebody threw me a bone. As I was typing, I was like, this is dumb. But then the other part of me is like, popular podcasts literally ask on Twitter for topics. Like, not just questions. They're like, hey, guys, what should we talk about this week? I was like, how is what I'm about to do any worse than that? So I did it, and somebody responded right away with three great questions. So at the end of the show, we're going to respond to one of those questions I feel is very pertinent. So thank you, for thank you, Leland, for, for fulfilling my lifelong dream. When I say lifelong, I mean past year dream of answering a question on the show uh chris any that was a lot of news and stuff not really news kind of news yeah, any other any other stuff going on planet comic-con two weeks i think two weeks it's pretty exciting anything else up to that point nope no awesome hey let's get into these episodes which by the way i am very excited for uh any cleanup from last time? Last time, I, I think we did just a top five episode. Uh, no, I don't have any cleanup. I've only listened to part of the episode. And how can I clean up like a top list yeah. of episodes? It's good. It had a had a relative to, relative to our regular episodes. Our regular episodes don't get that much viewership. There's no way around it. Uh, but those kind of one offs when we give them a catchy, more of a like a clickbaity title, I guess, for lack of a better term, like top five this or that. So those tend to do well. It's performing well. I thought it sounded good. I left, went back, and I, I liked our, our choices. It was good. And so my synopsis of these episodes is basically we just were leaving the North Pole at the beginning of one of these episodes and getting into the Earth Kingdom, and that's really all I can offer for a synopsis. We just had a huge battle where Aang was the Avatar, and it was awesome. Sorry, Aang was in the Avatar state and destroyed, uh, destroyed so many Fire Nation people, and you just have to go watch those episodes because they're amazing. It's the season finale of season one. But now for these episodes, we're heading back towards the Earth Kingdom. And that's about as much synopsis as I can offer before just giving the summary. Yeah, so Aang is having nightmares. He's really frightened by his own power, really. Like, he's having nightmares of him being in the Avatar State, causing all this damage. Um, and then he you know, talks with Katara about about it, and, you know, they're all concerned about it. Then we get, I think, uh, an amazing introduction to to Azula. Um, what happens first? Is it... Oh, so she comes on the ship, all these people are bowing and stuff, and that was the cliffhanger from season one, is that she was going to go look for Zuko, her brother, and Iroh, her uncle, and just the first scene she has with with the with the uh, commander of the ship about landing the ship on the on the tides and the tides will essentially allow he's... us to to dock yes. the ship to port the ship or something <laughs> to that effect. 
Yeah. Oh, it's so funny to me that you like this scene because I <laughs> I love this I scene. I hate this scene. Oh, I love this scene. no! You don't. You go on. You, you give this scene first, and then I'll complain. That is there, there's one that thing to customary. complain about it, possibly big, but you know he says you know the tides won't allow, um, and she says, "Tell me something. Does the tides control this ship?" I, I don't. I don't get it, your your highness. So the tides. If I throw you over the tides, would they hesitate to you know kill you into a million pieces? Well, no, they weren't. They won't. Well, do what I say. You know who's. You listen know. to the uh, listen to the person who's not decided on killing you yet, or something very clever. <laughs> Pretty much. I forget. I wish yes. we would have taken that down. Yeah, that's uh, fine. It is. What is very worry top, about one of the one of us so that hasn't freaking... decided on killing you yet? Yes. Like <laughs> this character's introduction shows that she is fine with killing someone. Like she's threatening killing someone on her own team like that's how much of a ba she is how much how capable she is and how much fear she inspires in people all right now what's wrong with it it's just too much too soon and it kind of makes me think of i, I want to say it was our introduction to zhao and i won't swear to that but one of these characters that we've had uh, early on i think it was zhao i remember feeling just kind of overwhelmed by how over the top bad i guess i don't know how else to word it like it was too it was way more dramatic bad than the situation called for it was it was just too over the top for who i think for a person who i think is and and does become a, a very good villain this was like the, they had to like push so much like look how bad this chick is and they had like we got we got two minutes to work with we got to show everybody how 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 evil and ruthless and mean just in, in two minutes and it, I don't know. I just feel like it hit me in the face a little bit. But let it be said that A, I like Azula as a villain a lot. And B, that is like my only minor complaint really with this episode, everything else. So uh, minor deal. It just it came out really strong, I guess. Kind of, I think I think Zhao's introduction was kind of the same, if I remember right. Just a little heavy-handed. You know what's interesting, though? Now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, so I think it can actually parallel a lot to Zuko and how he commands his ship and just how much everything works in Azula's favor. Maybe that was it. Maybe so it was the he... introduction to Zuko and if he was extra grouchy or something in that first step. Maybe that was it. It was really early. Uh, but like, but if you remember in the episode The Storm, which was one of my favorite episodes. I do remember. Um, I recall. You know, I- Iroh, Iroh is warning Zuko that we have to turn, the, we have to put the ship in or something because the weather is going to be terrible and he's like, no, we're going ahead, we're going ahead. And of course, the weather is terrible. <laughs> Azula is told the tide will not allow us. It will literally rip the ship apart. We can't do it. And she says, no, we're doing it. And it happens. Because everything happens perfect for Azula because she is perfect. I don't know if they perf- purposely did that because I'm just now catching on to that. No, that's um, a good point. But I, I think it, yeah. I think it was Zuko in that very first episode where maybe I had a comment of like, all right, they came off a little, just a little strong, think, a little yeah, too maybe. early. But there again, that didn't affect my feelings on Zuko in the long term, and it's not going to affect my feelings on Azula in the long term. <laughs> it just, you know, just initial impressions. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the gang is leaving the Northern Water Tribe to go to Omashu. Um, and they had they got to go to like the support in between, just like a general outpost. This... Didn't even have a name yeah. really. Yeah, 
Um, and this journal Fong will escort them to Mashu so Aang can learn earthbending from uh, King Bumi. And then, you know, they can get introduced to the general and he's very respectful to them. And he says, you know, pretty much to them, oh, you have great power. Like, I heard you took out hundreds of ships in, you know, in a matter of minutes. Like, I think you're ready to face Fire Lord. And he says it so nonchalantly. Pretty much like, he <laughs> does a really good impression there. <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> Um, and they're all against it. It's like, no, we have a plan. Like, we have to learn the elements in this order. And the general does bring up some great, great points in that, hey, the war, you know, we've been at war for 100 years. You've been gone, essentially. And, you know, people die in this war. Like, he goes to a clinic ward and he says, you see those people? You know, all those injured people? Those are the lucky ones. And the thing I absolutely love about this episode is I feel like the stakes have been raised from the last episode, even well, the last season. Like, we are talking about death a lot. We're talking about the war a lot. And I feel like this season is a lot about the ramifications of the war. Very and, direct and to references people. to death that most of the time, it's not that we avoid it, yeah. but it doesn't really just get pointed out right in front of you. Like, look at those people. Those are the yeah. ones that didn't die. I don't know if it's been yes. that heavy-handed like, until just now. Before, it was like, oh, yeah, the airbenders were wiped out. Like, saying people were wiped out is saying better than, is, is, you know, goes down a lot easier than people have died in, in this war. Those are the lucky ones, and they're injured. And those people that were the airbenders being wiped out, like, there is, not for Aang, but for everybody else, some time has passed. Now we're talking about people that Aang yeah. is staring at that were standing next to other people that died. Like it just—you're right. It's much more direct yeah. this time, for sure. Definitely. Um, so Aang eventually agrees to it because he sees that, like, you know what? Uh, you're you're right. I, I I can't wait. And they go on. They try to master the Avatar state for Aang because that's the only way that Aang actually took out those ships. So they go through all these things. My favorite one is when. <laughs> Some guy tries to like put all the four elements in Aang. He goes, water, and put water in there. <laughs> um, uh, earth, and puts some dirt, uh, fire, and a flame, air, and blows like a fan in there. He throws it at Aang. It's just like, this is just mud. Like, Do you feel any different? Kind of funny you think. You would think that, like, Putting all the elements together would make something amazing, but yeah, it just makes mud. This is not a it funny episode, hot. but that that little piece of comic relief—that's nice. It's a good throw-in. This is not a funny episode, really, at any point. Uh, one of the other ways they say is like pretty much to drink coffee, <laughs> uh, and Aang gets all hyped up and stuff. I have a feeling that Aaron Ehas, who is the one of the creators of Dragon Prince. Uh, maybe he wrote this episode. I have to look at it. I'm sure he had a hand in it because they all. I mean, the writers' room he, uh, has everyone really as a. It's a very collaborative group. But in in Drag Prince, uh, Claudia uh, makes this uh, brown morning potion, which is essentially just coffee. So he, I, I he just must like have to, a thing this, for it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. That's a great parallel. But don't. I'm still a little hurt by Claudia, so maybe don't bring her up right now. I'm still a little heartbroken, actually. So it's mm-hmm. too fresh, too soon. We'll talk about Claudia another time. Maybe, oh, maybe, maybe the next episode, if we're looking for kind of a short one while I'm moving and playing at Comic Con and stuff, maybe that's a good Dragon Prince time. 
Claudia, yeah. why? Mm-hmm. Why? Another time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this really hurts. Oh, so then uh, Azula gets uh, Azula meets up with Iroh and Zuko while Iroh's getting a freaking massage, which glad I didn't get creepy. Um, <laughs> and, and it even kind of was a little bit not not crazy, but just just a little. You know. He was enjoying and, it quite uh, a bit. And she tells them like, "Oh, you know what? Father wants you back home. You know, father thinks that family is really important now." And there's conspiracies that people are after to get him. He feels he wants you home. And I and Zuko like definitely feels like, oh, there's there's a chance. Like there's a chance I can go back home. He is somewhat overjoyed with this, for as overjoyed as Zuko can be, really. Um, and of course, Iroh is completely skeptical of it. And I do love Azula's interaction with these two. Like when she gets there. You're like, what are you doing here? And she's like, uh, have you lost all your manners with, on your since you've been away from home? Uh, just, just her, just her line delivery, <laughs> along it's, with. Uh... It's somehow yeah, keep going. It's somehow political and sibling e at the same time, which is probably what mm-hmm. she's going for, right? Like. I'm here to ask you to come home because I have to. That's that's what she's trying to sell, and she sells it very well. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, um, you know, Zuko's really excited to go back home. Iroh's skeptical, and and they kind of get into a little fight. Yeah, Zuko's and, a monster. Yeah. All of the all the respect we built up for Zuko at the end of the last season, it's gone already. We he ruined it. Uh, he he essentially says that, like things aren't always so happy in their family, and that his father wanting Zuko home may not be for the reason Zuko thinks. Um, eventually, that turns out to be true. When you know, and and they get onto the ship, and I love the way that Azula welcomes them. Like she is putting on a show. She can act and lie with the best of them. Like literally, she can. She's the best liar in the world. I believe that. She, uh, she, she says like, you know, it's time to go home. She says it in such a hopeful like manner, uh, and then they're getting to go. The uh, commander of the ship, who was down talked to before, the idiot that she should have thrown overboard, she should have killed <laughs> yeah, him. I don't know what really. else to say. <laughs> Trust like, your instincts, Azula. We're sending the prison, <laughs> we're sending the prisoners home now. And it's like, what? We're sending the prisoners home. Uh, Iroh goes off on everybody, and and uh, Zuko and Azula fight, and I, and I absolutely love this fight. One thing is choreographed really great, and it shows just how capable Azula is. Like Zuko is using all types of fire and bending, and we've seen previously that she knows how to bend lightning, which was the first time we saw this in the show. She was practicing it. Um, but she's not even bending against him. She is just outmaneuvering him in every single way. Like so much so that she scratches his head with her nails. Like he cannot beat her, even you know, he cannot beat her with an arm tied behind her back. She's that skilled. Uh, and then, yeah. So, uh, what did you think about the fight? I uh, this fight, but the larger episode in general about a third of this episode is the ending climax fight scene and it's all good loved all of it i 
it's great. I love the parallels back and forth between which we haven't got to the other half yet, but um, this mm. one in particular, I mean, I, I can't, I can't think of the choreography and stuff as much as just the end of the fight, which I won't spoil. I'll let you get to that, but it's such a memorable and uh, expect somehow still expected way for uh, for Iroh to essentially end the fight. I loved this part. Uh, yeah. Oh, also, yeah. Just get past and uh, fight an Earth. Yeah, you can separate you know, it however they... you want. They're go. They're going on uh, simultaneously, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, so at the same time, so you know, I do love how their stories parallel. Like both of them are somewhat betrayed by at the beginning of the episode, someone they thought they could trust or be on the same side as, or that should so at the least general whether form... they should trust them. That that person should be on the same side. Trusting them may not be a yeah. good idea, but definitely betrayal. So General Fong pretty much says, "All right, the only way we can trigger the Avatar stay is if you're in the near death experience." So you know they're all fighting them and everything, and yeah, Aang is doing an amazing job of blocking all of them. Um, so that's that fight, uh, and then eventually, in in a in Zuko's and Iroh's fight, um, and it ends with Asula getting the upper hand. And she is about to kill Zuko here. She's gonna fire like, like close range. It's a kill shot, like, absolutely. It is. It is definitely a kill shot, or at least a you are paralyzed or dramatically handicapped for the rest of your life type of deal. I'm gonna put you to uh, sleep. Iro kind of lightning. <laughs> yeah, uh, Iro before she could do it redirects her lightning and pretty much just straight up just like kicks her off the ship he redirects her lightning and it <laughs> destroys half of a mountain and then there's the pause and i know yeah. it could just be because it's it's an animated cartoon but i like to think that they left that pause in there just as like a just a moment of surprise for like us as an audience for azula like oh yeah Iroh is pretty good at this and then yeah he just <laughs> kicks his own niece off a ship he didn't doesn't kill her does it, it's is. really not all that violent if you think about all the possibilities that could have happened because it's still his family member, but he does kick her off a ship. It's, it's just a straight kick to the chest. Like it's a hard kick. It's like awesome. I haven't been kicked in the chest in a in a while, maybe ever. But I cannot think of the last time somebody kick. kicked me in the chest. <laughs> not not well, like yeah. a grown adult, at least. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so it's cool it, uh, it shows then, a, a great magnitude of power in, in both of them like I said redirecting the, the lightning to the mountain and it destroys it All right, that's Azula power but also clearly Iroh's got some element of control over it and like I said yeah. I like to think that there's just, there was a little pause in there and I like to think that it's just so we could all be surprised and appreciative of what just happened before she gets kicked off the ship when I say a pause I mean like half of a second like, a, like a, just a normal frame of animation pause but yeah, and, uh, so on the flip side of that, uh, the general figures out that trying to harm Aang isn't good enough, so he's going to threaten to kill Katara. And Aang believes that you know she does die, which I love that moment. It's uh, there's some great just uh, there's some great music in there, and just some great suspense build up. And then right when Katara goes underneath the ground, like Aang gets pissed off, and of course just Avatar stay unleashed on everyone. And then he kind of has an out-of-body experience, and Roku tells him all about the Avatar stay and 
exactly what it means and that it is a defense mechanism and the glow represents all of his past lives channeling their energy through him and he's kind of calling upon that power which is amazing world building by the way it so it's the, these fights are huge and I, I kind of tried to gauge the amount of time that they took because they really were about a third of the episode together but it's funny that that's really Aang turning into the Avatar and kind of rising up in that dust storm and that dust tornado that he's creating or uh, Iroh kicking Azula off the side of the ship like all that stuff all this great stuff and I did love it all those are really I mean they're the key sort of pivotal moments for each fight and the things that I remember most is just when Aang rises up in that tornado Katara's completely underground he thinks she's dead we probably think she's not like what Nickelodeon show would kill off a character in the first episode of the second season so we're pretty sure she's not but he thinks she's dead and then there's like hope in Fong's eyes like I did it I got this kid to turn and now he's just gonna be okay with this he's gonna be my friend and help me win this war Fong this is a little off topic Fong is a great I'm gonna say he's a villain I don't know what the right word is he's not really a villain uh, he's still on our side he's a, a good guy at heart he's got good motives but that's the point he's got great motives the guy's been fighting a war he's torn he's trying to protect his friends and family and his, his soldiers and all these reasons that he has are good he's a tremendous villain I love him in this exact episode so uh, just tremendous climax to one of these episodes where we kind of have two stories, uh, but neither one disappoints. They're both huge. Either one of these stories could have filled up a, an episode all by itself, most likely. Yeah, um, and then I do love the end there where an Iroh go get away, and like this was one of the most somber, really cool moments for me watching Avatar. Was you know they're both like at the river, and Zuko takes out a knife hands it to Iroh. Like, they both know what they have to do. They both know that things are never going to be the same again. They cut off their top-knot ponytails. And now, I always thought that represented, like, them being uh, heads of the Fire Nation, in the Fire Nation royal family, and now they're no longer. Like, they've completely disowned that that uh, that birthright now. Are, is the, are members of the royal family, for lack of a better term. I can't really think of any of the other Fire Nation off the top of my head that has the has that ponytail or little bun thing, on the little man bun on top of Iroh's head. I can't really... In my I mind, mean, I saw it as like a separation, not necessarily from all of the Fire Nation, but sort of a separation from family. Cutting off family ties, I guess. It, it could be. It, it, it definitely could be. Because Iroh doesn't wear that until the finale. Like, he doesn't wear the top knot until the finale. Yeah. It, it was very... I've got to be honest, I kind of forgot about that piece. Still recovering from all the other things that happened. Yeah, it was very touching. Uh, a lot of touching, good and bad, between Iroh and Zuko. We skipped right over it, but when, when Iroh accompanies Zuko to the ship because Iroh is skeptical earlier in the episode, mm-hmm. uh, and there again, Zuko, kind of oblivious, blinded by... The, this ridiculous notion that he's going to get to go home. You know, he's not thinking about anything else. And Iroh's not really going for the sake of family. Iroh's going because he loves Zuko. And so there's, there again, there's lots of, lots of little touching up and downs with uh, Zuko and Iroh in this episode. And even though Zuko is a monster and he doesn't deserve it, at the end they have that moment together. It ties it all together very nicely. Yeah. That's probably the end of that episode, isn't it? 
having trouble remembering i know oh um, yeah, yeah it, fong asked him or somebody asked him he's like <laughs> so you you don't want us to to escort you to bossing say anymore or to Awashu anymore yeah so and guitar's like i think we so got what happens it. is uh <clears throat> what happens is fong is like rubbing his beer like oh yes we did it uh we'll we'll you know iron out all the details on our way to the fire nation and then Sokka comes up on him and hits him with the boomerang. Yeah, he's still like Sokka hopeful and happy with himself. Like Aang just destroyed yeah. half the city, which granted is made of rocks and they'll probably fix it pretty quickly. But Aang, like, he's not happy. What are you? Ah. But I love it. Like the fact that I'm getting so worked up over that tells me he's really a great villain. At least I, I can't think. There's got to be a better word. He's not a villain. But in this episode, he's a monster. So, yeah, I liked Fong a lot. Yeah, and then uh, Katar or Suko, no, who am I thinking of? Sakura knocks him out with the boomerang, and then they go yeah. on their merry way to Mashu unaccompanied. Uh, so that's really the end of this episode. Good episode. A lot happens in this episode for a season. For a season premiere, it felt like a lot of bigger things happened. Like there was no there was no downtime really in this episode, and that to me yeah. is kind of exciting. So uh, with that, let's get to your ratings. All right, audio visual and eight and a half. Um, I felt like the the audio and the score was really good, and a lot of moments, especially when Aang going to the Avatar state. The also we got introduced to Azula score, which she always has that just like that score in the background. As I feel like it's just like annoying tingling going on, kind of a tinny. Annoying, uh... but, yeah, it's kind of it's, it's kind of hard to describe. If it's her, though, you know right it kinda, away that it associates. It kind of does the same thing that kind of same thing that Joker's theme does in The Dark Knight, where there's just this background of like, nee, 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 but it's just slightly different. Um, and the it's visually, Fire Nation, and but a little Avatar off. State. Yeah, the visually angle in Avatar State, you know everything that was that was great. So eight and a half out of ten uh, for story. Keep that also eight and a half out of ten. Um, we learned um, a lot just about the lore of the Avatar state, um, even though it's added on to in Legend of Korra. I still feel like it doesn't contradict it completely. Um, but as I like, Roku, you didn't mention this. But I have theories on why Roku didn't mention Rava. Um, <laughs> even though it's all it kind of has to be a retcon. Like, they didn't think of Rava at this point. They weren't, yeah, we hadn't had that developed yet. But uh, you know, yeah. we, can, we can rationalize that he didn't want to overwhelm Aang. like Aang got the gist yeah. of what he was saying yeah. so we can we can rationalize it it's okay exactly. and I, I mean I, I mean that legitimately uh, like thinking back like that's how I would fill that canon in is no Roku's not gonna overwhelm this yeah. kid trying to save Katara right now he's got other things going on yeah uh, yeah so the story was great loves that ending there of like you know that Zuko and Iroh are now um, traitors and they're on the run and also loved Azula's ending, um, which I forgot about mentioning. Like she says that they're wanted. Like she tells a Fire Nation village that these are. I guess they're probably in some colonies. If I had to guess, I think it's a Fire Nation still colony in the Fire Nation. Man. Yeah, has to be. Um, that these are now enemies of the Fire Nation. So that's really cool. Uh, for memorable eight and a half, Saki was fairly simple. Uh, the most memorable part of this episode for me is when Aang goes to the Avatar State and Roku tells him all about it. Um, and also, love Zuko's introduction. Don't care what you say, Sean. You but... said Zuko, so you don't even care. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. No, uh, you're not. You meant it. It's dumb. No, it's fine, and I really like the clever line. Just, uh, I stand by it. It's over the top. That doesn't mean it's too bad. So it's fine. That's fine. 8.5, you can do math. There we go. Pretty good stuff. Uh, audiovisual actually went a 9. Uh, I mean, all the all the reasons you said, I just... There's a, a lot of really big, exciting things happening here. It was really cool. 8.5 on the story. Uh, very good, what you said. Honestly, I think you could make a case on both of ours that maybe we maybe 8.5 is a little soft. There's a lot of good stuff that, so. that happens in both sides. But so, point is, it's very good. Memorable. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of memorable moments. Uh, but if you if you ever came to me and asked me like, hey, what'd you think of the season two premiere of Avatar: The Last Airbender? I would like. Even if you told me the name of the episode, there's, so I guess that's why it knocks it down a little bit. It's not necessarily memorable as a whole episode, but a lot of good things in there. 8.0, that's not a bad score. Rounds out to 8.5. So if you're real good at math, you figure that one out. 8.5. This is a very good episode, if you remember any of our rankings from last time. Uh, 8.5 coming out of the gates. That's pretty strong stuff, especially for a one-part episode. We had found last time, as you might expect, that two-parters yeah those tend to score a little higher so 8.5 out of the gate for a one part episode that's a pretty big deal <clears throat> and then uh, you know I'm not going to waste any time let's roll right into the summary of the next episode which I am so excited for it's called The Cave of Two Lovers yeah so uh, it's, a, it's a good episode starts off with Aang Katara training Katara taking her uh, master title to, to task and training Aang and uh, there's a little a little chemistry in there, you know. Yeah. Aang blushes a little bit when Katara gets close to him. Underwear in the water. Yeah, not really. You know what's interesting is that I, I have a feeling that they got more money this season because like there's a lot more character design variations. There are. Like yeah. you see Katara, you see Katara with like a swimming suit on, and you see Aang just in underwear. You see Sokka with his hair actually down. Like I think they were able to add a little bit more nuance to these characters rather than being like typical cartoon characters who always look the same way no matter where they're at, no matter what time I would of day not, it there's is. There's no way I would have noticed uh, unless you said that, but now that you say that, I totally agree. Uh, it seems like there's already just a little fuller detail in some of these things, or for fuller yeah. variants maybe. Uh, so yeah, so then they have to uh, make their way to Amashu. And uh, to parallel the story, which these stories don't cross over at all, which they haven't crossed over in a while. Yeah, they go a long time without seeing Zuko, now that I think about it. And they mention it whenever the next time they do see him. Um, but Zuko and Iroh have to deal with being refugees. And and uh, <laughs> and they pretty much they want to go and kind of hide amongst the Earth Nation because that's better than being <clears throat> captured by Azula. And and you can tell Zuko's kind of pissed off about it. He's not <laughs> he, taking he's, it very well. He seems far more entitled, especially in this episode. It's like, I'm not supposed to live like this. Um, yeah. And then they meet a nice little uh, family. And, and I really loved a lot of this episode because it, it continues the theme of, of putting war front and face um, and and making it really significant. Like they come to this family, and this you know girl, her father is gone off at war, and it's interesting because when she says that, Zuko says, "I haven't seen my father yet either." 
I haven't seen my father in years either. And they're like, oh, is he in the war also? And he's just like, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, um, it's pretty subdued, but I think you got it. Yeah. And then also she shows like, oh, I've been burned. Like, and Suko is really shocked by how burnt she is. And and it's a great it's a great uh, mission and journey for Zuko to be in Earth Kingdom to see exactly, hey, this is your dream. All right, your dream is to run the Fire Nation. You're completely fine with this war. These are the ramifications of war. Like these are actual people that you're dealing with here. Uh, so it's just some, and he doesn't learn this lesson here either, which is, which one thing I always loved about Avatar, and they always say, the, the creators always say, is that like everything has to be earned. Like bending can't just be just pure magic. Like everything has to be earned. You have to learn it. You have to practice it. You know, that's human nature. So really love those moments with them as refugees. I will say, so you mentioned this episode keeps that theme. And that's probably a good theme for this whole season is it's kind of presenting the, the keeping the war front facing um still in i mean it's still a kid show it's still in a kid appropriate way but putting it out front and center uh but it is worth noting this episode is like the ying to the last episode's ying the last episode it's not a funny episode it's very serious very constant kind of drama high tension not this episode you get a few touching moments but even those moments like with zuko and that uh, the girl from the other family touching maybe but not not dramatic it's not tense at all this is a goofy silly fun episode it's it's a flip side of the previous one uh but yeah there's that that family of refugees you can tell when let's say it plants a seed so it's not like zuko learns his lesson but uh he mm-hmm. uh, plants that initial seed of this is what i'm doing to people that are just like me you know he's talking with this other human that's just a good human and he can see what his work i'm, I'm gonna call it his with fire pending has done to this this girl and his family so let's say it plants a seed of uh, of learning from his or learning his lesson i guess yeah definitely and then uh you know i'll let you describe uh the the uh b plot or the yes. a plot whatever the other the, plot the other plot this is the great plot so i don't know why i do know why it's because it's funny and i like funny things i like silly comedy so they come so <laughs> Uh, Katara and Sokka and Aang and Appa are essentially they're going to fly over this mountain to get to Amashu. They they meet these, these just traveling, they call themselves nomads. They're just hippies. And the, the hippies mention this cave, uh, this maze of caves underneath the ground. And Aang's like, you know what, Appa, I think the fastest way will be for us to go over. And Appa doesn't really like caves, but but thank you. And so then they don't really even show that much. They show like two seconds of the whole team <laughs> flying through the air, just being like bombarded by giant fire nation fireballs and things. That's it. It's just, it's your mind almost can't even understand why it's doing this. Cause avatar never does this, but it's like a two second cutaway. And then you just see yeah. <laughs> Sokka angry followed by like a battered crew. And he's like, uh, angry death caves. Let's go. Or something like that. Like, all right, we're going to go underground. And so they're traveling with these nomads who are just this whole episode just getting on Sokka's nerves. But they're very well-intentioned people ultimately trying to help them get to their destination. And one thing that I want to do is the nomads sing quite a bit, a lot of goofy, wacky stuff. So hopefully this uh, this gets to stay in the video online 
I hope it does. But I went ahead and I pulled up a, a my favorite personal song from the Nomads, and it's going to be about 30 seconds. Chris, you won't be able to hear it. I'll just key back in when it's over. But here are the some of the acoustic stylings of the guitar Nomad. Two lovers forbidden from one another. The war divides their people. And a mountain divides them apart. Build a path to be together. Yeah, I forget the next couple lines, but uh, there it goes. Secret tunnel! Secret tunnel! Okay, so two things. First, I'm laughing hard at the song because it's funny. Second, I'm laughing because not only can Chris not see, he can't see me. He sees a black box. It's hard to explain. Uh, but Chris only sees a black box, and he also can't hear that song. So I'm over here, like, bobbing my head and humming to myself and laughing to this music that I can hear. And <laughs> Chris, you're just staring at a blank screen. I'm really sorry. Anyway, that was the secret, that was the secret tunnel song which describes the secret tunnel, but it's important that he forgot a couple of those lines in there because they're pretty key lines um, that have to do with the fact that the tunnel is actually a series of horrible, horrible mazes. So uh, long story short, they get all the way into inside the, the, the mouth of the cave, so to speak. The Fire Nation, they're like, hey, you guys heard the song, right? Yeah, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll just trap them in the caves and they'll die in there. So they, they trap them inside the cave, and the rest of this story is essentially them trying to find their way out of this horrible cave maze, uh, cave maze, cave maze, excuse me, that they didn't really know everything that they should have about because he forgot those two lines or whatever to the song. So they didn't really know what they're getting into, uh, basically a giant death trap. So it seems silly, but it's actually kind of pivotal to the plot. I think they know the caves were deadly. Um, they mentioned that earlier. They allude to that. But I don't know if they... Uh, appreciated that it was a giant maze the way it is and so like i said it's i appreciate those missing song lines well well played episode writers and so yeah then um i can let you pick it back up from here that was that that's my go-to part of this whole episode and maybe of this whole season that that song and getting in here but they get into the caves and they get separated and then a lot of fun things happen too yeah they, they get uh separated uh Katara and Aang go in one spot with uh, with Appa, and then Sokka is stuck with all the nomads. Like Poor when I watched Sokka. it today, when when uh when the you know there's gravel and rocks and stuff, you know all around there. Sokka goes and he just tries to dig out. I'm thinking at first he's comedically digging to save Aang and, and Katara. But no, he's just digging to get out and get away from from them. <laughs> oh, poor, poor son. They're they're his exact opposites in every possible way. Yeah. Um, it is cool though, and it's. I, I love the, I, did... I love the part where. Go ahead. I didn't mean so, to. I, I love I love the part where uh, where Saga's trying to come up with with plans, and then or with i with plans with ideas, and then the guy goes. Oh wait, we're coming up with ideas. <laughs> I had an idea for an hour. <laughs> an idea for like an hour. It's just 
<laughs> like, yes, we're coming up with ideas. Uh, Why right. I guess it's it's just and of course the, it's ideas just the kid stupid. in me. Yeah, it was a terrible idea. It's just the kid in me, but I really love just that that style of humor in the show. I love so they're putting yeah. the torches together, and what do they have? Like, yes. Do yes. they have two torches? Like five and torches. they last five. Oh, five torches, and they last two hours each. So they'll last yes. ten hours, but they have all five of them lit. <laughs> We'll just uh, lay all five. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. <laughs> um, but the, so this is all in the grand scheme of things, as fun as I think this is, I understand it's not important. All that is is one big distraction uh, to get get Aang and Katara alone. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. all it amounts to. But then that's really cool because when Katara and Aang are alone, they stumble on the tomb of the lovers who turn out to be Oma and Shu. And then that story, um, it's not extremely important to the grand uh, the grand scheme of of Avatar, really. But it's a really cool story about these two lovers actually did exist. It was real, and they uh, uh, they the tunnels were really built for that purpose. And then when the male, I believe, died, uh, the female just goes on like a like an earthbender insane rampage where she could have just killed everybody, but instead she brings them all together and they build one city together that became Omashu. So it's just, it's a really cool story. And like I said, it's not really important in the grand scheme of things other than, um, I don't know if they say that, did they say she's the first earthbender? They say that both of them were the first earthbenders. Both of them were the first earthbenders. So yeah, there's, uh, like I said, just some some really cool early, early uh, old storytelling there. And and then I forget what the phrase is. It's trust funny and because love will light the way. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's funny because uh, <clears throat> Legend of Korra, like in beginnings, they don't show any Earthbenders, and so I feel like they still hold. They can still say that all right, these were the first Earthbenders. But also in the commentary for this episode, I think it was uh, Brian Canisco. The commentary like, oh, yeah, that I love exists, how, or is this like, one of those commentaries that just exists in your head? No, it. it 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 definitely exists. So okay, I've watched it real. at least in the past year. Okay, got it. Good. Uh, I'm, it's just, a I'm just messing. Valid question. Sorry, that joke was yeah. really placed. But uh, yeah, they say like, oh yeah, I love how these you know myths are created, um, and you, you can might imply that like he's saying that you know origins of things aren't necessarily exactly what happened, but does that really matter because that's the myth and that's what people believe. And that's what's uh, that's what gives it the intrigue or the long the longevity. If it's boring, people aren't going to remember. Let's be honest; people don't remember boring things. So yeah, that's why the interest is there. And then I forget the phrase, but uh, part of part of the song or a previous song actually, it's a different song, is that like love and trust will light the way. And so then Katara and Aang get into the silly, which is probably my least favorite part of the episode because it's so childish and dumb. But they get into kind of a fight, like oh yeah, I would. I guess I would kiss you if I had to. Would that be so bad? Blah blah blah. But eventually they do kiss, and it does. The it does light up the. Or tunnel. do they? Oh yeah, they definitely kiss. They definitely kiss. Things. Happen. You know, I was thinking about making a. Oh, I was thinking about making a quick theory video on this. I was like, Ooh. even even well, if you had thing, good honestly, evidence, it was, it was, even if you had good evidence yeah, to the contrary, I would just argue until we stopped arguing because <laughs> they they do something. And then the path is lit up, and so whatever yeah. whatever you want to take from that. The thing is, 
that title so clickbaity that it would honestly probably get more views than the rest of my videos. It was, and because it's about such a pertinent te- uh, topic that like all the Sutara fans would come out and be like, "This is the beginning of the end." All those people. Yeah, um, yeah. That would be. Maybe we'll do that just as a clickbait video someday, just to drive some some viewership. That'll be fun. <laughs> and then, uh, but then on the other side, so we've kind of gotten away. You. And you sort of covered it from the beginning, but Iroh and Zuko yeah. essentially get to have dinner with these refugee family. Not a ton more comes of it. We already talked about when the girl shows Zuko her leg and the burns. I don't really recall that we see just a whole lot after that other than them uh, leaving in the middle of the night. Just time to move on and make sure this family isn't hurt by firebenders chasing them and that sort of thing. Uh, so not a whole lot else happens after that. But Katara and Aang get out of the cave, and then uh, <laughs> Sokka manages to get out of the cave, which nobody... Oh, yeah, the, the badger moles were the teachers of Oman Shu to make them the first earthbenders. And essentially, <laughs> Sokka and these idiot nomads get attacked by badger moles, and uh, they fortunately, the idiot nomads, the music, is what subdues and mollifies the badger moles. <laughs> And so then they're able to get on the badger moles and ride them, uh, ride them out of the mountain to safety. And then the other part of that that I also liked, there's no implication, no direct implication there, but I really appreciated how the nomads are singing songs about this, about this story that you know may or may not have happened. But the fact that the music also kind of mollifies the badger moles um, was just sort of interesting to me to think about. It, I wonder if Oma and Shu had to use music to to sort of subdue them the first time to, in order to use them. And that's uh, just kind of a neat carryover. So everybody gets out at the end. Badger Moles. Was that Badger Moles do love music? It's proven in Legend of Korra when um, Prince Wu <clears throat> uses uh, music to control Badger Moles. I absolutely forgot about that, but I also haven't watched the Legend of Korra in a very long time. So, um, yeah. yeah, just there again, I, I, I know I just, I, I have a weird thing for this episode and I'm not really sure why. And a lot of it's not extremely important in the grand scheme of things, but lots of fun little this and that's in this episode. But in the end, everybody gets out of the mountain. Uh, Zuko and Iroh have to lead this family of refugees. I, it doesn't say directly, but probably for that family's safety, I would say. You just stay on the road. And that's really the end of the episode. Any, any... Uh, they did, well, Zuko did steal their... Uh horse ostrich thingy oh yeah the weird horse ostrich yeah i recall that yeah which i assume is a big deal right it's like stealing a a beast of burden essentially Uh, yeah i mean that's their entire lifestyle like (laughs) i'm sure that thing does a lot probably you know helps out on the farm you stole their tractor essentially so that's slash ostriches do i wonder why i wonder why they i mean i know like for speed but I don't know. Are you really gaining that much when you're two fully grown people riding an ostrich? Like, uh, maybe. Thing looks pretty sturdy, I suppose. Uh, any, anything else to add before we go on towards scores? No, it's a, a great episode. So. It is, in a different way. Um, and uh, you you called it immediately. We're kind of flip-flopped on these episodes. But the, the main point is that we both like both of these episodes quite a bit. It's probably but yeah, we're flipping. Wait, well, these aren't my score. Did I mess them up? <laughs> this is my... Oh, you know what this, this is? is? This is the um 
hey, you really look how much you like that episode. I bet that's there. I'm sorry. I bet that's there from the from the finale of the previous one. Yeah. I, I wonder if I uh-huh. overwrote your scores onto my scores. I hope not. Oh gosh. All right. Seven in there. I probably did. All right, you pull up your scores, and then I will. Uh, <laughs> don't well. don't worry about me. I'll just I'll just get to get our scores over here. I hope I didn't. Um... Wait, I'm not. Yeah, just uh, mm-hmm. if you if you pull up your scores on your phone, maybe. Okay, I've got them here. If you want me to lead you in with them, how about that? Okay. So you gave audio yeah, visual yeah. an eight. Uh yeah, audio visual an eight. Um, you know the the, the tunnel is really nice and everything. Um, you know with the visuals of the of the lights going out, and then audio wise, the music is is uh, is really great. Um, story wise, I think I gave it like a seven. Story gave it a seven, and a half, yeah. maybe. Seven, nope, give it seven, seven flat. Uh, because really, really, you could just take this episode out, and you'll be completely fine without it. Um, I do think the Zuko stuff is really good because I love just you know more of that theme of war in there. But then the Katara and Aang stuff is fairly unnecessary, only to build up the relationship that they have. Yeah. Uh, which has already been built up in a lot of couple other areas, so it wasn't all that necessary. Yeah, but in this one, they kiss, Chris. They kiss in this one. Or do they? Um, and then memorable... Next time, all podcasters. <laughs> and memorable... I'm sure we're going to disagree here. I think I gave it an 8.5 or an 8? 8.5. 8.5, absolutely. 8.5. Um, it is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. It's one of the funniest episodes. Probably the top five funniest episodes of the series um just you know comedy's priceless and that's really what sells this episode memorable wise i think we don't we don't have a comedy section so don't hold us to that number but i would tend to agree absolutely and so i hope i got the overall score right um at the end of both of ours but yours ended up at a 7.8 which you know that's no no shame there that's a good score um so i gave yeah it looks like Oh, I see these. Dang it. All right. So I put your scores on mine and I put nobody's scores on yours. Okay. Well, you'll (laughs) just have to imagine mine. So I gave audio visual at 8.5. So just a little higher than yours. You'll just have to imagine the scores. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's what what better place to to use a Bane quote in this podcast? You got to take the opportunity. Um, No, I gave audio visual an 8.5. Same things. There's not a whole lot going on aesthetically but I do, I do love the songs and that's audio so that counts story I gave an 8.5 so this is our biggest uh, this was our biggest difference and it's just another one of those cases where we've, we've talked about it before um, I tend to like it when stories do kind of stand alone now the sacrifice with that is that sometimes it feels yeah. like you could just sort of pick them up and plop them anywhere uh, but in and of itself uh, the story of them getting from one side of the mountain to the other and some of the history of Oma and Chu uh, it's it's very interesting, even if it's not impactful to the grand series, uh, grander series, which is why I didn't score it higher. And then for memorable, I gave it a ten. When people ask me, of course you did. When people <laughs> ask me like uh, things related to my favorite parts of Avatar or favorite episodes or whatever, this is one of the few. Hey, it's one of the few that I remember the title of the episode. So that's pretty telling by itself. And B, it's one of the ones that I reference pretty frequently. Is like, oh, we didn't. We didn't even cover it, so I'll have to step backwards and cover this part before we go on ahead. But uh, 
just just all of his little songs like the comedy and then even the Zuko and Iroh piece it's kind of deep and touching and you're entering sort of a new chapter of their lives so I think about this episode a lot so it's a 10 the thing that we didn't mention is when they get out of the caves and then Katara's like hey Sokka how'd you get that red mark on your head and then the the, the crazy nomad guy comes up and he's like hey nobody freak out what I'm about to say but I think that kid might be the avatar and then Sokka slaps his forehead where the mark is and it just uh it, i don't know it just all that's that's the thing that's, what brought that up is that's the thing that i remember uh, more than anything else i say that frequently out of context uh, I'll, like, I'll be like people okay that nobody is, freak out at what i'm about to say <laughs> that is a perfectly like set up and executed joke that i think i've ever seen like you introduce you introduce the punchline first <laughs> yeah with the red mark and everything and then you know the guy comes over and says oh, dumb and then you go back to the punchline with a very literal punchline it's important they've been setting it up all episode too like that's at least the third time i think probably if yeah. not more that he has done that on screen so it's not like a like a slap in at the end it's like they build it up to that so it's, that's that's the most memorable yeah, and piece imagine... to me but yeah and then and then the guy hugs Sokka. <laughs> And he's not having it, yeah. He's... yeah. And he's like, just play your songs. Play your like, songs. Oh, good idea. <laughs> dum, 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 dum. And then, okay, so I don't remember what they say. It's something on the order. I, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like, hey, you, yeah. we're going to go to Bossing, say, you want to, or go to Omashi, yeah. you want to come? And they're just yeah. like, nope. <laughs> and then I say, nope. <laughs> so you traveled here for no reason. <laughs> in this case, it almost died for nothing. <laughs> hey, I just remembered the last words of that song. And done. And I was like, oh, I think I even, the picture I have, yeah, that picture there, he's like strumming that last lyric that he finally remembers. Oh, <laughs> uh, so... Again, I know it's kind of silly, but just just when people ask me about Avatar, if it's related to favorites, usually this is very one of the earlier things that come to mind. But the just I, I accept that it's totally based on sort of bias and, and preference, uh, but I absolutely love it. So great stuff. Two really two great episodes. Um, you can't go wrong with either. I like both a lot. You like both. You definitely like the first more, but you like both a lot. So good stuff good way to start um oh hey wait before we get out uh, i feel like this is the appropriate time to do i'll bring our screen back up so it looks pretty our our, our listener question i'm gonna call it a listener question i have no idea if she actually listened but since we just finished our top five episodes and we just finished the first season uh, uh one of leland's questions was uh was it leland or leilani oh i feel terrible i can't remember was which of the episodes made you decide uh, that you were going to watch the rest of this series, or which of the episodes of Avatar? Oh. I can pull it up here. I got. I want to get it right. I've already butchered it enough because I feel bad and I can't remember her name. Why didn't I write it down? I'm dumb. Mm. Do you remember how it's worded? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Ah, uh, thank you. What was the episode in Avatar: The Last Airbender that made you decide it was worth watching? <clears throat> Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I think it was the Southern Air Temple where um, Aang goes and sees the the 
you know, the temple, he sees the body, the remnants of Mangyatsu, and he gets angry. I'm a sucker for characters rage turning into power you know it reminded me a lot of gohan from dragon ball z <laughs> and absolutely loved uh absolutely loved the fight that suko has with admiral Zhao or commander whatever he was at that I time mean, batman is basically uh, rage turned into power in a different sense yeah pretty much um and uh i just love how that fight unfolded and how it ended um, and the animation in that fight is is really good. Like they they play a lot around with with color tones in, in that episode. Um, so I think that episode was like, okay, this is going to be a little more advanced than other cartoons. I mean, it didn't, you know, it will hit more other levels as it went on. Uh, but that was one that like, all right, I got to keep watching this show. I think that might have been the first episode that i watched and i went back and watched the pilot actually i think you've mentioned that before that you maybe missed that yeah, first uh, that first week where they had the double the back-to-back premiere yeah uh southern or uh, winter solstice excuse me for me not i mean i watched mm. it all up to that point and it's like yeah i probably would have continued watching it but i think at that point it became more of a a dedicated thing like yeah i definitely have to finish it I was in college at the time when I remember this episode, I think I had seen most of them prior, uh, but in terms of actually having that thought of, uh, again, going to sort of dedicate some time to this, Winter Solstice, just, it really ramps up the story, uh, really ramps up the action, ends in a great scene, stakes are very high, lots of stuff going on, uh, just a nice precursor for the big things to come. So, great question. Thanks for, thanks for indulging me with several great questions in my ridiculous request. Uh, my life feels fulfilled now. And yeah, who do you think you are? You're on iTunes now, and now you're all uppity ass. And I know. Questions. As soon as you get on iTunes, you start expecting people. Like I said, is it is it really mm. any worse than other podcasters on Twitter? And I'm not blaming them. That's great. No, well, they'll just be like, "Hey, what are we talking? What's, what's the I, topics I, this week?" I contribute when possible <laughs> to those topics uh, because right. that's the kind of human I am. So, yeah, good stuff. Good episodes. Chris, I will talk to you in two weeks, which will be like two days before Comic-Con and one day before I move. So I might be crazy, uh, little things going on, but we'll, we'll do something. Maybe we'll do a shorter episode, the, the Avatar Theory <laughs> that you mentioned earlier or the Dragon Prince or something like that. Something relaxed that I don't have to do a lot of prep work for. Well, you have to watch those videos. So uh, yeah, I can do that. Nah, work. I'm pretty sure you yeah, watch no, I can do you... that work. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to be like you over there just watching a black screen while I'm rocking out over here. I can I can manage those videos. Yeah. So, hey, thanks a lot uh, for watching and for listening on all of our various avenues. Now you can find us on podcast.com, <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, YouTube. Under YouTube, look at the Objective Geek. <laughs> Everywhere else, look for Avatar The Last Podcasters. Although, if you type Avatar The Last Airbender, we're like number 10s in some of those. Give or take, mm. uh, that comes up. So number 10s. Rapid, number 10s, nice. 10s to 20s, give or take. There's a lot of Avatar podcasts, but none of them are formatted like mine. So I have no, uh, my, my hours, excuse me. Uh, so I have no regrets. So uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot. Look us up, listen to the rest, or at a minimum, just go watch the last two episodes of the first season, which we loved. And then these two episodes in this season, that's my only takeaways right now. Is four episodes in a row that are fantastic. So thanks a lot, and we will talk to you in about two weeks.